0: This is the Pickle Planet Podcast with Jenna and Taj. Sit back and get a drink. Let's talk about parenting and how to survive it. This is the vagina episode of the Pickle Planet <laughs> podcast. Can we
1: call the vagina monologues? Are we allowed to steal that? Probably not.
0: There's probably copyright issues okay. around that. Pretend but. you didn't hear that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we just won't put that in pretty. That won't be the... Yeah. 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 So Katie, maybe
1: yes. we'll get you to explain why you're here to talk about vaginas. What do you do?
2: What do I do? So I'm a pelvic floor physiotherapist, which means I'm like a normal physiotherapist, except for I've gone on to do some additional training so that I'm certified in doing internal pelvic exams. So that means the population that I work with tend to be women who are pregnant or right after delivery. I'll see women who have pelvic pain issues, um, abdominal separation, that sort of thing. So anything basically, we like to say pelvis, but really anything from the knees up to the breastbones is kind of where my eyes and hands go. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) just automatically, anyone, that's where they go. (laughs) That's how I meet people. Like I shook your your belly when I came in.
1: So why did you choose
2: that field? I did my, um, my graduate diploma at Dalhousie University. That's where I got my master's degree. And Dalhousie was one of the first universities um, to start showing the subspecialties of physiotherapy. So the master's program was new when I graduated way back in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so each week was kind of a different subspecialty, and it was called women's health at the time because apparently men don't have pelvises or any issues. Oh, but oh, great. Great but great. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we got yeah. women's health week, and we had this lovely physiotherapist named Stella Roy come in, and she taught us all about the different types of um, of equipment that you could use and the different issues. Which I was kind of floored at that point. I was in physiotherapy to work with athletes. I was gonna go to the Olympics. Obviously, I've gotten a little bit off track from that original (laughs) goal, (laughs) but I kind of fell in love with it. Um, It was an area that not everyone in my class wanted to do, and what's interesting about pelvic floor physiotherapy, for us to be certified in this, we have to let a student do all of the tests on us that we would do to a patient. Yes. So, I think that having a student do a rectal exam on you is probably one of the issues, why we're not having as many pelvic floor physiotherapists as potentially we need. But I was really curious and fascinated and I was a little bit ticked off that no one else wanted to do it. I was like, well, fine. If no one else will do it, then I guess someone has to do it. I will go do it. So that's what I did. And now I'm here.
1: Talking about vaginas on the podcast. Yeah. I think it's great <laughs> well
0: I think it's fascinating because you and I met a little while ago mm-hmm. and, and did an interview about the, the new program that you're starting for moms right. here in the Moncton area and like we talked about that and then we talked like forever about all these other things that I kind of yeah had no idea about in terms of women's health and isn't it
2: unfortunate that you don't know about well I know how am I 40 years old and I don't know these things
0: like I thought I had researched a decent amount Mm -hmm. about pregnancy and you know I thought I had paid attention in school and no no apparently not well I don't think a lot of it's being taught
2: in school to be fair it might not be your studious nature it might be the curriculum well yeah
1: especially yeah the
0: the curriculum from how many years? Yeah. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I think the thing too is, you can think that once you've had a baby that you're completely prepared for how your body mm-hmm. is going to be after, but you're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're nowhere even remotely close to realizing what's going to happen to F- not not just down there, but everywhere, everywhere, yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: everywhere. And I think with social media too, we have access to so many different messages right now that it's confusing, right? And and it changes often. I mean, I, I've been doing internal exams for eight years now, and the wealth of information that's been provided to me over that time has changed significantly so how are we supposed to um, expect lay people to read something online who knows what year it was published and by whom and then try to make health-informed decisions for themselves for their own individual cases so I think it's a tall order for a lot of of, of women really trying to decide how to recover and to do it in a three-month period so they look good on Instagram like you know what I mean right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah so it's really
0: tricky so let's start there then and talk about some of those you know post-pregnancy what are some of the issues that you would say people most often don't realize that it's a sign that they should be coming to see someone like you okay
2: so the, there's you know there's kind of a couple of we call them yellow flags like things that i want you to be looking for um we try not to use the word normal we try to use common right because i think a lot of women will fall into the trap of Oh, I'm going to go back to exercise and I'll pee my pants and that is normal, right? <laughs> uh-huh. like, so we like to say it's common, we see it a lot, but I don't want that to be your new normal because that snowballs into a decade later and someone's still peeing their pants and mm-hmm. there's a host of other issues. But the big flags that we're looking for are any sort of leakiness. So if you can't hold back your urine... Certainly if you can't hold back your feces, but even if you can't hold back your gas, those are the things to watch for. And it can happen sometimes, some women will say to me, well, it's only when my bladder is really, really full and I cough three times in a row. It still counts <laughs> as a leak. Yeah. Still yeah. counts as a leak. Still lets me know the muscle is not functioning the way it should, right? So we're looking at that. Pain with intercourse. So there's oftentimes if there's been some sort of obstetrical tearing that we're, we're more likely to anticipate there to be pain, Right but that should be rectified so that I wouldn't tolerate that. But these C-section mums think that they're off the hook as well yeah. and that there shouldn't be pain, right? So they're also just as prone to having pain with intercourse. Um, the other things that we're looking for are the feeling of vaginal heaviness. And when I ask that, I always get, like, the eyebrows lifted. <laughs> Does it feel like anything's falling out of your vagina? And if it's happening to you, you will know exactly yeah. what I am talking about, right? So it's this
0: pressure Good. Feel- I don't have that then. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, hmm. hmm. Do, Do oh, I okay. have that? No.
2: You jump on a trampoline and yeah. then come talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I can maybe describe it the most common ways. If you've had a vaginal birth immediately, like when the first couple of days after delivery, if you stand up too fast, you'll feel like things are going to fall out. Like you feel like you don't have the support in your undercarriage, if you will. That, but women will also see, start to see um, organ descent. So if you have a bad case of constipation or diarrhea and you go to wipe and you can see something, that's when I will get a lot of panicked emails, mm-hmm. right? So that's the thing we're looking for. Anytime you start to see doming in the abdomen, so we're looking for abdominal separations after pregnancy. So if you were kind of trying to sit up and get up out of bed or if you're going back to your exercise program and you start to try to do sit-ups and you see that kind of bump up down the middle of your thorax and your belly. That, and then finally, pelvic bony pain. So if you're out running and you feel like low back pain, hip pain, something we call the pelvic girdle, but anywhere if you picture a skeleton in through that big pelvic bone, any discomfort, aches and pains in there, Um, are things that we look for because all of those can lead to these secondary issues that we hear about all the time so mums with low back pain mums that have hip pain it can go down to the knee it can lead to shoulder pain so if your core isn't functioning well then you will see things that are more distal to that things that are further down in your body or higher up in your body that will start to go off later on you can only compensate for so long Mm. so those are the big ones that we watch for
1: they all sound super scary, but all things <laughs> that a lot of women would just say, oh, well, my mom had that, so no. obviously... It's oh, yeah, all my friends that. talked about that yeah. after they had their kids. Yeah. And
0: yeah, I think, like, you know, we've talked about it too, Yeah, that... That kind of joke, like, oh, yeah, now you pee your pants just a little bit, yeah. you know, and people do normalize it. And we
2: joke about that one. At mm. least that one, I feel, gets some attention because we kind of all, ha, ha, well, you know, right? It's the pain stuff. Like, friends aren't talking to each other about painful sex. We're not, we're not yeah. saying, I haven't had sex in three years because it hurts too much. Like, that's not something that's being brought up. So that's the one that, as a profession, we're trying to kind of hammer home. Like, come in to see us because this is a problem that can be, can be fixed. For most women, there are numerous different treatment paths for that.
1: Well, and that's kind of what I'm wondering too, because like at this moment, I feel like I'm looking at you and I should be doing Kegels. You know what I mean? Like, like, how <laughs> that effect on people. <laughs> Does she well. know what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> That's obviously the first go-to for everybody is that, okay, Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. What else is there?
2: Okay, well, I'm going to stop you there okay. because Kegels, 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 half of my business is teaching un-Kegels, uh-huh. honestly. But so, I'll stop. yeah, <laughs> Relax, Some women a love little. when I say that, right? <laughs> so, the kegel muscle, in my profession, we call it the pelvic floor muscle. Runs from the pubic bone in the front. It slings between your legs like a hammock and attaches to the tailbone in the back. Most women don't realize there's that back component because mm. I think we've been taught our whole life that we just kegel for the urethra because we don't want to pee, or for the vagina because we want something to change around that, right? There's, you know, 50%, maybe more of the muscle is further back than that. Hmm. So when women Kegel, they tend to exclude that part. When I teach a Kegel, I tell women, and I've taken this from a physiotherapist named Julie Weeb, who's phenomenal. You guys should follow her. Uh, She says, pretend like there's a jelly bean in your vagina and one in your anus, and don't just squeeze your beans, lift them up to your eyeballs. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's the point across, right? The other part of that, though, is that you have to put them back down. So are these women that are walking around kind of keegling all the time, and those are the women that tend to have more pain issues because they don't know how to relax the muscle properly. And after birth, I really feel like there's this resetting period. Because we feel leaky after a vaginal birth and things don't feel quite right, we'll kind of squeeze protectively down there, almost guarding, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to be leaking, right? You still have to mom. You've got a tiny human and potentially others to take care of and all of everything else that you do in your life so they'll do this guarding and then over time they just they don't feel that as a kegel anymore so when i go to do my exam they don't know how to drop everything and lower and relax and that can lead to pain with intercourse that can lead to Pain with a whole bunch of different issues, but we'll also see sense of urgency. So those women that are running to the bathroom Mm -hmm. 20 times a day and they pee and it's just a little bit, if you squeeze around the bladder all the time, we'll start to see dysfunction and issues and problems that can happen there. So honest to goodness, it's split down the middle, 50-50, I'm teaching Kegels, and the other 50%, I'm telling them, did you know you're Kegeling right now? Please let go of my finger. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, that was my
1: spiel about Kegels.
2: (laughs) I can't remember the first part of your question
1: now. (laughs) What else can we do? Oh, what else should you be doing? Right. So you
2: should be learning how to Kegel, but yes, you should be learning how to drop the beans as well, right? The secondary component that we see is that a lot of of moms, we're talking about moms, um, this compensation strategy that we have, because picture pregnant lady, it's a high-pressure situation in there, right? Like baby's in there, things are pretty compact, and then baby comes out, and you can picture what postpartum stomach looks like, Right. We don't have a lot of strength in there. So a lot of moms will do this position where they kind of tuck their bum under and they'll hold their breath a bit more. So they kind of grasp with their, with their, um, their diaphragm, we call it the diaphragm, but your breathing muscle, as a way to feel stronger. And that becomes an issue because our breathing muscle is not supposed to be what's giving us strength. So think now to how you had to pick up that, um, the baby car seat, mm-hmm. right? In the postpartum period, we all kind of grab this awkward device that weighs mm-hmm. about 10 pounds with a baby in it. We don't have core strength. What is our strategy? <gasps>
1: Right. And oh, then we yeah. kind of water to the exactly. yeah. I totally remember
2: making <laughs> that noise. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. And I would challenge you to check and see if you're still doing it, right? So if you've got those front-loading mm. washers or you're in the Tupperware drawer, how do you get your body back up from that low squat that you get mm. into? A lot of women yeah. kind of, and then we push ourselves up, right? Because we're exhausted. Yeah. But it's <laughs> as we also do that yeah. we develop yeah. over time. So we really do teach a lot of belly breathing, kind of that yoga-style breathing. Um, I'm hesitant to call it uh, belly breathing on everyone because if someone does have an abdominal separation, I don't love to send air into that area in the immediate postpartum. So I tell them, place your hands on your lowest ribs and try to breathe really down low and and push against your hand. So you kind of inhale and you're trying to widen the ribcage. So can you get some sort of low breath started? And we know that there's a really nice reflex with our breath. And the pelvic floor. So if someone's really not getting a Kegel or they're really not getting their relaxation, I'll get them to start back with um, just diaphragmatic breathing, four or five breaths in a row. That's the first exercise that I give to mums after delivery. And then we start adding on the pelvic floor. So those are the two big ones. Can we get your core? Because people think of the core as abdominals mm-hmm. and really it's deeper than the six pack. right? So as physiotherapists, we discuss the core as four separate muscles. We say the diaphragm, that breathing muscle, is the top of your kind of pop can. Your pelvic floor is the bottom of the pop can. And your corset muscle, your transversus abdominis. Get rid of the six-pack. Get rid of your obliques. It's deeper to that. It runs from the pubic bone up to your breastbone and wraps around your waist. It's that kind of cinching in muscle that everyone talks about. And then the fourth muscle are the little stabilizer muscles in your low back. So for women that are trying to, you know, I have this dichotomy because women are t- coming in and they're trying to train their core, fix their core. I want to train my core, but they don't know what that is. What they mean is that they want to look like they've got a six pack yeah. again <laughs> and we actually need to fix the fundamental, the foundation of your abdomen, which is the core first. So if you can get those four muscles functioning in synergy and a proper pattern together, then we can look at adding on all of the other fancy kind of stuff that you want to do. So Doing your breathing, then activating the pelvic floor, figuring out how you know the core and how it functions. Those are the big ones. And stop holding your breath all the time. Like those the, For the first three months, do that. Do that. It's enough. You're also raising tiny humans. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're talking a lot about the, the after part mm-hmm. and all the things that come after pregnancy, but... If there's someone who's listening who is pregnant or knows someone who's pregnant is going to become pregnant what are some of the the warning signs or what are some of the, the preventative things
2: okay so that's a that's a good question because we've got lots of evidence now to show that if you do some sort of prep work during pregnancy that we get better outcomes after delivery so that same kind of pattern so if, if i mean if you can have some sort of breathing if your diaphragm's working, and in, In pregnancy, it's difficult to do a belly breath because there's a baby in the way, so I usually do go to that side rib technique. But the number one exercise that I would give is inhale, relax everything, exhale, and Kegel. So you want to start learning how to do your Kegel on an exhale. The biggest, like the most common complaint that we see after delivery is someone that will leak with a cough or a sneeze or a jumping jack blowing your nose, right? Which is an exhale, So, if you two kegel right now, one, two, three kegel, (laughs) 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 what you'll see is women will stop breathing, right? They'll kind of hold their breath. Yep, yeah, totally do that. Totally. And then let go. So, what we want to train is for you to start practicing that contraction at the time when you're most vulnerable. So, practice during the activity that you're going to leak on. So, if it's a cough that is an exhale, please practice your kegels during exhalation. Hmm. And then, as always, when you're done, put the pelvic floor back down. So that's one of the best ways to do it. Most women find it easier in a lying position or sitting. In pregnancy, it's hard to lie down on your back. We don't encourage a lot of that. But even in a semi-reclined position and sitting just to try to do four or five of that breath pattern. So inhale, relax. Exhale, lift both your jelly beans up. And then to continue on. um, Usually I have women over the course of their pregnancy build up to two minutes worth of that breathing. So not two minutes of Kegels, but that Mm -hmm. breathing pattern for two minutes straight. And that's when, I mean, aside from that and trying to remain as active during pregnancy as possible. But if we're just talking about protection for the pelvic floor, that's the number one exercise that I usually give out.
1: What if you're someone that let's say is on bed rest Mm -hmm. and obviously you can't get the exercise, same kind of idea or is there anything extra? So
2: that's where you need to check with your physician for why you're on bed rest, right? Right. So that's a case by case decision, but providing it's just, they're trying to keep you off of your feet and trying to keep you in a more horizontal position and you're okay to do contractions in that area then you can keep doing that. But it's, you definitely need to check, check with your ob before you do any sort of exercise if you're on, on pure
0: medical bed rest. Yeah. I had modified bed rest which I thought I was very, very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> because I was able to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and go to and the I was, on your own, which could, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I was even allowed to go well, I don't know if I was allowed, but I went up and downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and I allowed myself. Yeah. But, yeah, that was always in the back of my head that like I was so lucky that I was able to be home for my bed rest, not medical bed rest where yeah. I had to be in-hospital strung in hospital. up because lots of people do it's yeah
2: I yeah I get a lot of clientele coming in who are trying to prep for a secondary or you know subsequent pregnancies and they they usually I see women like that if there's been an issue with the first pregnancy um, or recovery afterwards and they come in because they want to make sure that they're doing everything that they can in their power um, to prepare themselves for the next one but we talk about that. We talk about a lot of birthing techniques. Um my brave ones will come in to ask about perineal massage. Have you guys heard about that? No. Nope. The massage down yeah. there that you yeah. do to prepare yourself to deliver. I wish I have heard the me, term. I've heard the term. <laughs> I would have oh, been see, I, I was. that twice. I was, yeah.
1: yeah. So, um,
2: maybe I will clarify then.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Perineal massage is when you do just gentle massage techniques to the back half of the vaginal opening. So, where most of the stretching would occur mm-hmm. during a vaginal delivery. It's usually started around 37 weeks into the pregnancy. See, that's why I never did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they talk about it at a lot of the. I've heard the, I heard the
2: term. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. No. But yeah, 37 weeks. I'm like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so if you don't make it to 37
0: weeks, then... (laughs) Don't worry, yeah. You're on your own. Yeah, Yeah, you're getting surgery anyway. Um, (laughs) Not everyone is, no, just me, sorry.
2: So the perineal massage, you know, just for a couple minutes, just to try to stretch out that skin a little bit. There's this um, device that you can buy for it now called an EpiNo, like no episiotomy. It hasn't been proven in the research yet, but it's something that's kind of popular on the more holistic birthing sites now, which it just looks like a balloon with a pump at one end. That's and totally what I was picturing. You put it yeah. in, yeah, and you inflate it, and you do kind of a couple more centimeters. You start, again, you start at 37 yeah. weeks, and you do a couple more centimeters each time until you get the skin to its stretch of 10 centimeters, which would match the cervical dilation. Wow. So it's a little bit intimidating, especially I find for my first-time mums. Mm. But it's usually um, women who've had a bad tear that don't want subsequent tears that will ask how to use that device, or they'll, they'll be the ones that are more
0: interested in doing the perineal massage as well. And you said the research doesn't prove necessarily that it, it helps, yet. but do you doesn't think, harm. I was just going to say hmm. you don't think there's any harm in using it. Hasn't it,
2: been, it hasn't been shown to have any harm, We're just yeah. not every birth is so different. I think it's really hard to capture hmm. a lot of these stats. You have to really narrow it down to like either first-time moms or you know mothers of, of numerous children who've had previous vaginal deliveries or a cesarean. Like, there's just so many other factors, so we don't really know about that yet. But it's certainly been shown to know. as long as you don't have an in, um, a medical reason for not inserting anything into the vagina. So some women have like are on a no sex, no hmm. insertion. Um, medical guidance, but as, as long as you're not falling into that category, there it hasn't been shown to have any issues at this point. So they're teaching the perineal massage at a lot of the local hospital um, classes. Um, so it's something that women are being exposed to, but if you're watching someone show you on a model, it's different than knowing how it's supposed to feel and having the confidence to then work on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes they'll come in just for a, a quick little checkup and to be taught how to do that and then they're off on
0: their own yeah I think it would be much more friendly to be sitting in your office talking about it and trying to learn technique than in a auditorium full <laughs> of all kinds of strangers exactly yeah mm-hmm.
1: I, th- I, I wish after a nine pound seven baby yes. I would have liked to have known about that but anyway you deserve a medal we here we are the second one wasn't so big my <laughs> don't drink chocolate milk when you're pregnant that's all I gotta say <laughs> there's no other reason besides talking up. anyway um so what about when it comes down to tearing uh inside and outside mm-hmm. uh is there a quick way to go about healing from that because, is there a quick way yeah because in my experience there's not i, know. <laughs> but I didn't come see you so well. i'm wondering if i could save the grief i think yeah. that I,
2: I can't heal People faster than humanly possible, right? Just
1: checking. I thought you had superpowers.
2: I don't have a magic wand yet. Not that kind, anyways. (laughs) Um, I think that a lot of women maybe do more than they should after delivery. So the big signs are to monitor your stitches to make sure that they're not reopening. Pain in that area is a sign usually to go rest. But unfortunately, we live in a society now where we don't just have a tribe of women Mm -hmm. looking after us in that fourth trimester. So sometimes it's this fine balance of trying to get everything done that needs to be done for the family and letting yourself recover well, right? So I think that's the line that I will see. But normally, like those sutures are in there very, very well. I find it's more that women will go back to doing things too soon. I do see a lot of gals that are scared to have their first poo after delivery after vaginal delivery um, and usually they're giving some sort of stool softener mm-hmm. or, or whatnot but I tell them to take toilet paper wrap it around your fingers or make a pad and press gently up against the sutures so give yourself a little bit of support if it's kind of a scary thought for you just so that you're not having any increased pressure um, into that region right so it just reinforces the skin and it's still swollen down there for a little bit right but I know the hospital certainly talks about the ice maxi pads that you can use, mm-hmm. right? So little things like that. But I think it's just really paying attention, listening to your body, and then responding accordingly when it's telling you. When it's oftentimes screaming at you yes. it's yeah. to <laughs> slow down, right? But if your scar doesn't come together well, which I've seen before. So if you get a little bit more scar tissue in the area than you like... Um, depending on the degree of tear that you have we teach those massage techniques as well because that can be a source of pain when women return back to intercourse or you can feel it if you're wearing tight clothing I certainly have loads of patients that don't want to wear their skinny jeans because the seam is quite thick and when they sit down on it they're going to get pain with that or certain types of underwear because again it will kind of rub up against some sensitive tissues so we don't want that to be new norm when it is sensitive like that, it can breed more sensitivity and other issues. Because what are you going to go to? You're going to go to that guarding position, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like if you have a stomach ache, you're going to see yourself kind of curl up into fetal position a little bit. You've got a vagina equivalent of that. So it's this protective reflex. And that again, now your muscles not working well. Now we have women who have urgency, pain with intercourse, pain with bowel movements, can't exercise. So Always get the issue dealt with sooner rather than later. It makes my life easier. I'm sure it will make (laughs) patient's life easier too, right? If they can see it, if they can get in for treatment sooner.
1: Some women I know that end up having to have surgery because they've had, is it pre-lapse, prolapse?
2: Prolapse, Yeah.
1: Do you think that surgery is always necessary, or can it be fixed?
2: Surgery is a really good option for a lot of women, but can it be fixed? Uh, yes, absolutely, we've seen it be fixed. We, rate, we grade prolapse from none at all to more severe. So obviously, the more severe it is, the more likely that a surgery is necessary. That's that vaginal heaviness question, right? So mm-hmm. can you feel pressure down there? Can you see something down there? I think in the past, there wasn't physio for this. So the go-to was... We're just, like even on gynae exam, you could, you could, I can see when it's starting to happen, but until a patient complains about it, we don't have another treatment to, op- to offer them, so we'll wait till it gets bad enough until we can go to surgery. We don't have that anymore. We have loads of options now. Aside from physiotherapy, which I'll talk about in a second, there's also something called a pessary, and I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No. A pessary is like a little silicone device. It kind of looks like a tampon, but they come in anywhere between 20 and 50 different shapes, And it's inserted to hold organs up. So women who might not be good candidates for physiotherapy, who might not have the time or the money or the energy to do it right now, can talk to the gynecologist or their doctors. And in Canada, we are having physiotherapists that are licensed in putting pessaries in, but how to insert their own pessary. Hmm. So for some women, they have them inserted in the doctor's office, and it stays in for... A couple of months and then they go back, have it cleaned and reinserted. And other women now, because it's becoming more popular, are learning how to insert their own and take it out. So I'll see women who, um, in my practice, might be long distance runners or trying to get back to really high impact exercise and might not be quite um, far along in their physio treatment yet to do those activities without a bit of a crutch. So I think of it as an ankle brace oh, okay. or a knee brace. So mm-hmm. they'll put it in to give them some additional support. Um, and then they'll take it out after activity, and then they do their physio homework. So that's how I like to use it, not as we're going to leave this in here until you need a surgery. If I can, in my practice, it's put it in, do the activities that you want, because we know the heart benefits, we know the mental health benefits of exercise, especially in the postpartum period, mm-hmm. are so very important. The goal is to keep you active, it's just to do it smarter. Um, and for some of my, I find like different sports, but like my runners, my crossfitters, that activity is sometimes the only thread that they have left to hold on to of their previous before mom life, Mm -hmm. that the mental health that's associated with that, for me to take that away because of a prolapse, I think is just, the cons are not worth it, right? So we teach them how to stay active and we use devices if we need to. But then yes, the goal is to go to physiotherapy. So usually we'd like to think if it's a lower grade prolapse, if it hasn't gotten too severe, we like to think that we, and we've got some evidence to support it now, that we can move you back a grade which is fantastic because now we're in an asymptomatic area. We can go longer before ever even having to consult with surgery. We're also hoping that for women that have had surgery, because on my table I certainly see women who've gone for their third bladder lift and they don't want to go for their fourth, Mm -hmm. is that making these prolapse surgeries last longer. Previously, I think what was happening was that they'd have the surgery done and no one would address the reason why it was happening. So, we don't, and sometimes it can just be this is the tissue you're born with, right? Like, mm-hmm. no amount of physiotherapy is going to help some people. They, their best option is go talk to your gynecologist, go talk to your surgeon. That's what we're going to do. But if it just keeps coming back, right, then there must be something that we can do to help manage the pressure down there. Either build up the strength or teach you techniques to not hold your breath when you do all <laughs> of these tasks all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We have a bad joke in our industry who cares how strong your floor is if your roof is collapsing? And if you're the person that's holding their breath, every time you lift something, every time you get out of a chair, it's just a little bit of pressure onto your pelvic organs for a decade. It takes about you know, 10 to 15 years for a prolapse to form in a lot of cases. And you'll see a little bit of that flexibility um, that starts sometimes after a vaginal delivery. So if we can counsel these women immediately in the postpartum period to stop all of these techniques and habits and strategies that might be contributing to a prolapse down later in life, then wouldn't that be great? Right? Mm-hmm. We have enough long wait times for gynecologists right now <laughs> can find a more mm-hmm. conservative measure to treat that and so, or to prevent it. That would be mm-hmm. fantastic. So that's kind of where my
0: industry is aimed at right now. And do you see movement in that area in Canada? I know in other countries it, it's becoming the norm to have mm. pelvic floor <clears throat> physio as part of your care after you have a child. Like it's just like just like you get your six week checkup, you get your appointment with the pelvic floor physio. Oh, certainly in some
2: countries, I know France, you get anywhere between twelve and fifteen um, appointments that are just automatic,
0: right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I think of how much prevention mm-hmm. that could bring.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I really don't know how we have to voice this to our government. I think physios, my training has never been in politics. My <laughs> training has never been um, in business, right? Like, I just send me people to help them. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just want to fix people. Um, so trying to have that voice. I think it's going to need to come from lay people. I think it's going to, need to come from the Canadian Obstetrics and Gynecology Society. But we are starting to see that. But I can't tell you, I have no reason why some um, health districts would have it and some don't. I suspect it's budget, and if you have an employee in the area that has the knowledge, because it is this additional training that you have to do, and as I said, not all physiotherapists are keen to undergo right. all that training, right? But um, just in my career, I've seen this grow phenomenally over the last 10 years or so, right, where I was the, you know, there's only a couple of us in the province, um, I think that I was the only one doing it full time for a bit. And now we're starting to have I mean, I have students that I'm teaching at, at Dalhousie now that are coming out, graduating, and wanting to get into this straight away. And we have students that are coming and doing their clinical rotations in it now. So now that it's out there, it's becoming more and more um, accepted. And I think that the female patient, the new moms, aren't going to take it anymore, right? We know too much mm. now. As you said, you didn't know about some of this. Yeah. When you were going mm-hmm. through
0: the process, oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, I don't think I knew about yeah. most of it either. Yeah.
2: And now we're having moms yeah. that are seeing it, like, I want that. I mm-hmm. don't want to have to do no. what my mother had to do or what my grandmother had to do. I want to see if there's something that, proactively, that I can do to take yeah. care of this. Or it's like,
0: oh, gee, we have daughters. Let's make sure right. <clears throat> that this, yeah, exactly. is there. Like, exactly. It's funny
2: that you say that because I do have some women that will bring their daughters in to sit bedside. So they can't see anything but to sit bedside during the exams that I do. So that their daughter oh, knows years. that this is an option huh? and she should be taking care of herself. That's So I was kind of... A Little bit taken aback yeah. when it was the first, then that happened the first time, but I was like, you know what, that's not such a bad idea for women to know because when are we supposed to teach them exactly? Mm, well, when, do, yeah. when do you teach your daughters about pelvic organ problems? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure when that comes come up, up, up in parenting, yeah. 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 And there, there really is only so much they can get in the school curriculum, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's even, <laughs> not <even> <laughs> <laughs> that. No, no, there are other things that <clears> we need to focus <laughs> on, yeah. yes, I can totally agree with that, but I do know that it is something that. I know some of the newer gynecologists and obstetric, obstetricians that are coming out now are, I know some that are even trying to make that part of their practice and having a pelvic floor physio as part of their practice and being in the same building and being together to have that whole approach. Almost like
2: a a lot of women's health centers are Mm -hmm. popping up. You're seeing it in the
0: States quite often Mm -hmm. now is that you'll have, because it's a more privatized system in
2: the States, but you'll see, you go to a women's health center or a birthing center and they have everyone on staff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So it would be nice to think that we've got that. Um, I do have to say locally, because I've worked in, with many different regions, the Moncton Hospital and the George Dumont Hospital, the gynecologists that we have locally are really, really good. The nightmares that I hear on all of the Facebook forums that I'm on, oh, a pelvic yeah. floor physiotherapist working across country. like We have a really keen group of doctors right now, so I'm really fortunate to get to work with them. I love working with them. <laughs>
0: They're fun. Well, it's awesome. I, it's so, I think so important to have these kind of conversations because yeah, like it hasn't been that long since we had kids yeah, and kids I don't remember anyone seven, talking six. about this yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: No. Right. No, like it, it was Kegels. Was I remember
0: experience. hearing Kegels yes. and I do think I heard about massage, but not in a way that registered with me as something. And then again, I mean, my experience was a little different, mm-hmm. but then there are some things you've talked about. I'm like, Oh, I never thought about Whether that's a symptom of something I Mm -hmm. should be talking to you about or it's like, oh, how often does that happen to me? Okay. Like when you said, it's not part of the conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. We talked a lot about vaginal delivery, but what are some big issues that C-section mothers run into?
2: So a lot of um, moms that have C-sections just, I think we, any other major abdominal surgery, you're in hospital, you have care, you come home, people go, oh, how'd your surgery go? Right? This is different. This is the only surgery where you are given a tiny human to take care of <laughs> yeah. after a massive surgery. Yeah. So to me, it's a little bit bananas, right? So I do wish, and again, it's depending on, on, on your region and your health district, but I wish there was a little bit, a better a better way to teach about post-C-section care because it's really hard, and I was guilty of this, to listen to the discharge nurse when she's telling all you right. everything. Like, all I was thinking was, okay, have I got everything packed mm-hmm. up? Where's my other kid? Someone's bringing him. Mm-hmm. We need it. Like, do you know what I'm just, I was just so distracted during that time. So what I think the mentality even more with C-sections is, okay, well, you took the easy way. Yeah. Um, you should just be fine now, right? So that just, it drives me bonkers. Um, but uh, anywhere between 3 and 15% of women will develop C-section scar pain. So women don't know that they should be massaging their C-section scar, right? It can lead to issues with the ability to backbend afterwards. It can lead to you not knowing how to use your core muscles properly. Some women will come to me with pain with running, and they can't move their hip far enough back because their scar and their abdomen hmm. was too tight. So immediately we should be be talking about how to start implementing scar massage techniques afterwards. So you want to wait. We definitely ch-
1: didn't do that one. <laughs> well,
2: and the thing is here, it's another thing on the new mom list, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's another reason why we see this postpartum care kind of, ugh, it fizzles out a little bit because when you've had to get through your day, do you really want to spend the last five minutes of it massaging a scar? No, you probably want to sleep
1: or watch Netflix. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you just don't want to do that. And as a mom, you are the last one on the list. You're not Absolutely. thinking of yourself ever
2: yeah so after the incision has closed we usually start with just gentle massage techniques around the scar and then as um you can tolerate touch that area you just check and see where is the scar tight that's where you want to kind of move into that direction i try to make my exercises for new moms incredibly doable because i could formulate the most beautiful physiotherapy program in the whole world (laughs) but if you can't do it honestly in under two minutes then you're not going to do it Mm -hmm. so who cares how good it is if it's in a drawer somewhere so I usually say two minutes of scar massage, two minutes of piston breathing you're, for the next three months, right? Like little things like that. But yeah, start looking at, at um, uh, seeing if you can get some of the movement. I certainly, so that 15% of women that will come with C-section, like chronic pain, can't wear clothes over that area. I can't touch the scar with a Q-tip. Severe, severe pain. I sometimes find that it's associated with birth trauma. And we have some evidence to support that. So the women that really wanted the vaginal delivery and now they've got their C-section scar mm-hmm. and it's just kind of this constant memory for them. Um, or the women that had were planning on vaginal deliveries and the C-section happened in an emergency too fast. Babies' health was a concern. They didn't know what was happening. So there's some suggesting that there's a relationship there, but certainly not all the time. But I have to examine them for the first time with their clothing on and just touching their scar over a shirt or they still wear their maternity pants because Mm -hmm. they don't want anything touching their abdomen so that's something that needs to be treated because you can see how that can be a problem Mm -hmm. in life right so little things like that that i don't think are on anybody's radar as far as a c-section is concerned
1: it definitely is because it it is the (laughs) I think, and it shouldn't ever be, but it's the norm to think, "Oh, well," and because celebrities are like, "Well, I'm going to take a C-section instead of pushing a baby out." Why? No, why? Why would you choose surgery? surgery? Yeah, yeah, why?
0: Why would anyone choose yeah, surgery exactly You're over cutting like, yourself open? I
1: don't get like if someone has had a scar for numerous years, is it too late to start no, dealing with the pain? Not at all.
0: So, no. Yep. Yeah, start immediately. I had two C-sections, mm-hmm. and I remember talking with people. I'm trying to remember when it was. I'm going to say it was maybe a year after the second one and I would still get this like tingly feeling sometimes not constant and not like painful but like just weird but it would be like an oh, odd feeling yeah. but it would like kind of come and go and it wasn't until I was in a, at a women's event and it was a bunch of women and someone else said something and, oh yeah that I still get that pain and it was like the, their kid's like a teenager and they were still like every now and then they'd feel this like
1: like a page, ghost, like leg, a ghost, kind
0: of like yeah, along their C-section scar, and I was like, okay, so this is something that should happen then, or like, so what? I guess I'm I'm curious as to whether or not there there would be little feelings that are just are normal feelings that aren't signs of concern, or when you know to ask the question or draw the line. Right.
2: So I tell women ask the question if it's something if you're asking the question, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're asking it in your head, go ask the question to a professional when the incision happens in that low abdomen we see them um, rarely now do we see them vertical but but usually you occasionally but usually horizontally when they do that incision they're cutting through a lot of the nerves that give sensation to the skin in that area so you'll know if you touch the top of like on top of your scar versus underneath your scar you can sometimes feel a difference so having a loss of sensation like you can't feel light touch very well feeling a bit numb that's all stuff that's reasonably normal in the first bit Um, Nerves are very slow to recover and heal. So a little bit of numbness, not having it feel just right is something that we still consider acceptable for, you know, extended periods of time. Pain, pulling, twinges, right? Soreness, itchiness, seeing it get red and raised, that stuff we don't like Mm. anymore, right? So that is something that that we can work on for sure.
0: But would there be any kind of that, like, phantom, like... like Like over time, <clears throat> should that still happen? Like the pain? But if it's pain, it shouldn't happen. No, pain, yeah, pain, I, I, yeah. No. that one I get. Like yeah. pain, you know, you talk to someone. No one should still be in pain. If it's like that <laughs> but like tingly, a tingly
2: feeling, yeah. it depends, I guess, on how severe it is and if it's interfering with your day-to-day life. If it's just a little twinge now and again, people probably aren't going to go through all the effort. I would still say massage it, stretch the area, see if you can loosen it. Yeah, it's probably some scar tissue that has probably like a little nerve that's trapped in it. So stretch it, massage it, see if you can work on it. If it's happening enough, so in particular, I see this with my yoga group or my dancers, anyone that wants to do back bends or extremely flexible type movements, They'll get annoyed first because that will start to interfere with their exercise that they like, right? Mm. So it's kind of this continuum of, well, is it normal? It's common. Is it bad enough to warrant you doing, doing the doing stuff? So- yeah, hmm. that's what that's that's where the argument lies, I think, right?
1: before we let you go Mm -hmm. can you tell everybody where to find you
2: oh yes so i am at the 360 health center in moncton and that's on elmwood drive and the phone number there is 830-6600 i'm also on facebook as katie kelly pt and instagram as i think pt katie kelly i think katie kelly pt is taken already but if you search moncton and pelvic floor physiotherapist i should pop up Somewhere at the top, hopefully. No. <laughs> and, and, you, and you
0: share a lot of resources online. Too. Like yeah. If you go on Katie's website, there, there's blog posts, there's articles, there's, you do your own podcast. Uh, well,
2: yeah, it's, yeah,
0: we're
2: working on it. We're working on it's it. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. Tasha's going to help. help edit, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs>
0: going to be there. Yeah, because it, like, Everything we've touched on could be, yeah, an entire session, and there's so much more I know we haven't even talked about that comes within your practice. We've only focused on women with pregnancy issues. There's so many other things, so place that we kind of all have to get to now too is there's so much information out there that if we can internalize some of it so that we bring it up when someone says oh yeah i you know i peed today when i laughed or like oh did you check out Kate, katie's page because yeah. you should yeah. that would be
2: great if yeah. i didn't have to talk about vaginas at dinner parties anymore my husband will help would be you out. so happy we'll help you out with that yeah.
0: anything
1: we can